Welcome to It's a Mindset, the podcast where we embark on a transformative journey to enhance your worth, wealth, and well-being. I'm Emma Lagalo, a wealth and mindset coach, and I'm here to guide you. In each episode, we explore the power of your mindset, featuring inspiring guest interviews, tips, and insights. Are you ready to dive in and discover that anything is possible when you put your mind to it? Hi there. And welcome to episode four of It's a Mindset. In this episode, I'm welcoming a special guest, Jen B, who I met at the beginning of my business journey and is someone who has inspired me ever since. Have you ever faced a moment that defined who you are, shaping the course of your journey? Well, get ready because in this episode of It's a Mindset, We're delving deep into the transformative power of authenticity, resilience, and personal growth with our incredible guest, Jen B. This episode is more than just a conversation. It's a journey with Jen, the champagne drinking, coffee addicted, flamingo adoring, color loving, crazy cat lady, and brand foundations coach at Jen B Brands. With a remarkable 35 years in branding, Jen peels back the layers, empowering midlife women to rediscover their true selves. Today, we explore her story of breaking free from societal expectations and the magic of personal branding that brought her to the Bring Back Your Pink podcast. Jen's journey resonates with so many of us. It's that familiar struggle we've all faced, the quest for authenticity. In this episode, We're delving into the significance of pushing boundaries, manifesting success, and the importance of self-belief that have been integral to Jen's inspiring journey. Enjoy the episode. Hi, Jen. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to have you here as my second official guest on the It's a Mindset podcast. Woohoo. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here, Emma. Um, You know, we've known each other for a little while now. And I'm so honoured to be here with you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I do feel like uh, I remember you at the very beginning of my business journey. Uh, I think you were already standing out to me right at that at that point. And so it's, yeah, lovely to have become friends now and to be able to Absolutely. record this podcast together. So to get started... Uh, I have, you know, I guess a little bit of wanting to understand for my audience, you know, a little bit about your background and your life journey and perhaps any pivotal moments that have shaped who you are today. Oh, my gosh. Um, So (laughs) that's a loaded question for this girl because (laughs) so many moments, so many, um, you know, pivotal moments and things that have shaped me. Um, I could go, look, you know, let's let's go right back to start with. Um, we'll go back, you know, 19 years ago um, when my ex-husband and I separated and he decided that he, like, we, you know, he moved on and I was not working much at the time and I decided that it might be an idea to buy him out. Um didn't really know how at that time but so you know one of the things I do is build brands so I went off and I built myself a business um that allowed me to actually buy him out 12 months later with the biggest mortgage that my mortgage broker ever got for a single woman now 
that shaped a lot of the direction for my future because I think that was the first time that I realized that we as women can do whatever the heck we want because he laughed at me and said, you will never be able to do that. Mm. I said, mate, you just watched me do that. Um, I actually didn't quite know how at the time, but I did it. And, yeah, it really reinforced to me and it, it comes back to me whenever I'm in difficult times, you know, as life went on that, hang on, you know what, I have a choice here. I can either do the thing or I can not do the thing. And what have I got to lose if I try? Absolutely nothing. So, you know, that did sort of dictate, I think, the direction for my life um, in a lot of ways. And it really gave me my obsession for working with women and helping them, especially with my branding, helping them craft a brand that is a flamingo and a flock of seagulls. So when life is not actually the fairy tale we want it to be, we've got something to support us. Oh, I, I love that. And sorry, I had really did drop you straight in the deep end with that question. No, that's perfectly okay. And yeah. uh, no, not at all, because it just makes me go, okay, which which was the most pivotal moment? Oh my God, there's so many. But mm. that was, I guess, the first one. And that did shape the direction that I went in in the future. Sure. So at that point, were you working in corporate? No, no, I really wasn't actually working at all when he left. Okay. But that was the thing. It was like, right, what am I going to do? Um, and that's when I decided to go back to what I do well and what I had done, you know, literally since I'd left school and college, which was graphic design. Mm-hmm. So I built up a business in design. And, yeah, I look back at I look back at that time and that mortgage was $800,000 19 years ago by myself. You know, I'm like, Whoa! How yeah, that um, super brave, especially back then. Uh, you know, property prices have skyrocketed, so it was actually a very good decision. And speaking as a wealth and mindset coach, <laughs> it was a great decision. decision. I'm still in this house right now by choice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I have married again, as you know, because you've met my husband. Um, I have married again, and I have a beautiful, wonderful, supportive husband now. Um, but it, it, yes, great decision. Um, we're about to embark on extensive renos, which would be nice because it'll be the first time we've sort of done something like that together. So it could either make or break us, who knows? Um, he's never renovated before. So he's like, it's going to be great. I'm like, yeah, no, it's not. I've done this before. This is Mm -hmm. not going to come, but it will be worth it in the end. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. So I love that that pivotal moment has really, I guess, shifted your mindset in so many ways to believe more in yourself and what, and then prove to yourself what you were capable of. And now look at all the abundance and the amazing things that have, have come from taking that step. Exactly. And you know, what? I mean, look, it's not been easy. And whilst I, you know, believed in myself to do that at the time, there's been a lot of other times where I've not believed in myself. Um, I've actively hated myself and, you know, hated who I am and, you know, my size, because I'm plus size. Um, I've hated that, but now I'm in a really good place where I actually embrace who I am. And I'm finally at 55, you know, who I was always meant to be, not trying to be someone else, you know, to fit into a box that somebody else has given me and said, this is where you should be. Uh, So it's taken, it's taken a long time to get there. And it takes, you know, there are catalysts and it takes, you know, uh, crazy things to happen in your life, like being made redundant at 52 and, you know, going, well, what the heck am I going to do now? And things like that. But it's only part of the journey. You know, it's 
life is a journey, you know, it's not a destination and our destinations change direction. And, you know, we, sometimes we just have to go with the flow. Yeah, totally. But I love uh, all of what you stand for and becoming everything that you are today. You're an incredible, beautiful woman to look at and you definitely stand out from the crowd. And yeah, I just think that yeah, you're such an inspiration to you know what's possible if you just go with what you are authentically supposed to be. Well, that's it. One of my favourite quotes, it sits above my desk. I shall read it. I read, I read it on nearly everything I go on because it is, you know, it, it, to me it's just such a quote that can change things for people. You know, maybe the journey isn't so much about becoming anything. Maybe it's about unbecoming everything that really isn't you so you can be who you were meant to be in the first place. And I think so often we are hiding and we are trying to fit ourselves in those boxes because we're told, you know, this is how a lady should act. Um you know, you, I mean, I'm talking from my own experience here, you know, this is how a lady should act, you know, and I'll, I'll go on to, to the biggest probably epiphany that I, I had, but being brought up with um, language such as Jennifer, black looks so lovely on you, it's so flattering, um, you're, you know, you're probably a bit too big to wear that, this was my darling mum trying to help, you know, there was no malice intended, it was just her coming from her generation and the generation behind her, that, you know, we as ladies should be kind of small and quiet and not use our voice. So having someone like me um, was quite, I guess, polarising for my mum, who was a little ballet dancer. You know, she was 47 kilos before she got pregnant. She was teeny tiny. Then she had a four kilo baby, um, like nearly 10% of her body weight. And, uh, and she left like literally in the same clothes. So having this kind of big you know, loud child was very, was I think difficult for her, you know, because she'd been brought up to be a lady. Mm, so mm. she's trying to impart that onto me, but, you know, we are in a different generation. So things are not the same as what they were, you know, back in the 30s and the 40s. Thank so, uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so finally I feel like I finally become or unbecome uh, so I can be who I was meant to be. Yes, yes. Taking me, you know, 55 years. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I know I've listened to you talk a few times and it's, it's always so inspiring. And I know you said in probably your teenage years, you were still being sort of that more outgoing yourself. And then you went into that sort of more hiding yourself in, you know, your 20s, 30s, 40s, probably. Yeah. As, yeah, as a, well, as a teenager in the 80s, um, you know, I my I would come home from getting my hair cut because I had like a mohawk and my mum would cry. Um, but, you know, as you, you know, you go into your career and, you you know, you get married, you settle down and you kind of become what is expected in some ways. Mm. And then my dad died um, when I was only 23, which was pretty earth shattering for me only a few months after I'd got married. Um, so that was a very obviously unhappy time. And I mean, I'm surprised our marriage struggled along for 13 years after that, to be honest, because it was, you know, that was such a difficult time. And, you know, we, he and I just became, you know, very different people, but I tried to conform to what he wanted as in the husband, um, you know, to kind of, you know, lose weight, um, you know, be, I don't know, quieter, whatever. And, you know, it just doesn't work. You can only hide yourself for so long 
before the 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 you tries to break out. So yeah, then he left. And even even though I'd met Dave by the time I met David, you know, I was in a better place with some confidence. I was still all in black, like black hair, black clothes. I found a photo recently um, that I showed some of my friends and they're like, we can't even recognize you. Like we literally do not recognize you in that photo. I'm like, gosh, I recognize me, but that's because I know it's me, but they didn't. And it's quite interesting how you can change. And that was only, oh, say seven years ago. So it's only really been actually, and I hate to say this since my mum passed because, you know, we always try and please our mums too, Mm. you know, and Jennifer Black is so flattering on you should always wear black. So I did, you know, in saying this, my mum was my biggest cheerleader. She was my biggest support. She was always there to help me. She was just trying to do what she thought was going to help me. Um, But what I realised, and, you know, this is, I think, advice for all girl mums in particular, um, you know, what you think and what they think is quite different. And I've been very mindful now with my own daughter not to kind of direct and go, oh, you know, you sh- perhaps you're a bit too big to wear that because I don't want her to think for her whole life she's too big, too big to get in a swimsuit, too big to wear colour, too big, you know, to to be loud, you know. You don't you don't want that for your kids. Mm. But interesting that I've never directed her. Um, but, yeah, after mum passed, I... I sort of started slinking into a bit of colour because my personality was really beginning to come back out. But it was after mum passed, after I was made redundant, that I guess I discovered and embraced more to the point, and that's what it comes down to, is embracing who you are. Um, Yeah, and embraced my true self. And then last year I heard about um, suggestive language through one of my business coaches, and it was like my mind was blown because I realised that was the thing that held me back all of those years, like, because when something's suggested to you, and I'm not talking about suggestive languages like, you know, hello, hey, let's go to bed. I'm talking about ideas that are planted in your head um, that you grow up with and then you're very mindful and you can't actually, it's very difficult to stop you thinking that way. Mm. It actually takes something like an epiphany, someone saying it to you and you go, oh, my God, that's been my life. And I actually got off that call and cried because I'm like, I can't believe for 50, well, it was 53, 53 years I've tried to be somebody I wasn't to please other people. Oh, it's pretty sad, but. Oh, it's, yeah, but it's profound. But, I mean, that is so many people's stories. And I think, you know, suggestive language is also around the belief systems that we form and that's, you know, from looking at our primary caregivers in particular. Yeah but then all of, you know, society around us of, yes. you know, how we are supposed to be. And so we just believe that is how we are supposed to be. And we never really, you know, until we do have those type of epiphanies, I think, tap into what do we actually really want to be? Well, that's it. And we, yeah, we're just like constrained. And mm. I mean, even down to me as a plus size lady wearing colour, you know, only a few, it's only been a few years ago that brands like Little Party Dress came out with beautiful, bright-coloured dresses that went up to a size 22. Mm. So us ladies that were bigger could actually also embrace our love of colour. Yeah. And, you know, when I found them and that that a Little Party Dress was the very first colourful dress I bought and I put it on and I fell to a million bucks. Like, and I actually, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about that moment because I remember putting it on and I went, Oh, you know, it's beautiful. It's a flattering dress. 
And, you know, it just made me feel so good. And now there's so many other brands out there embracing, you know, the plus sizes and colour. And it just makes me so happy to see it. Yeah, well, it makes me happy too. And for those who don't know Jen, she has beautiful pink hair and she loves flamingos. So everything is yeah, very pink. And yeah, you even have a, con- a podcast called Bring Back Your Pink. So I do. I yeah, do. Yeah, so incredible. I definitely urge you to go and follow along with Jen for all this inspiration just to live your best life because you are definitely a poster girl for that. Oh, thank you. I try. And I mean, I realized again, you know, being in my 50s, you know, for years I'm like, oh, my gosh, 50, that's, I'm old, I'm old, you know, I'm over the hill. Now I realise it's actually just the beginning. Like it really is just the beginning. Yeah. So, you know, you can do, it's never too old and, you know, no, you're never too old and it's never too late to start a new adventure. So don't ever let age stop you because nothing can stop you if you really want something. Mm, and you put your mind to it for sure. Absolutely. So that's only the first question. I'm a good Yeah, no, it's good. But I feel like we've covered some territory. So we might just yeah, duck and weave with the other ones. But I do want to ask you, because I know you've done a lot of things uh, that are ticking your bucket list lately, but yes. what is one unusual or adventurous thing that you currently have on your bucket list? Oh, let me think. Probably a safari in Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love that. I don't like the heat. So it would be like, you know, an adventure for me to go, but absolutely 100%. Um, I would love to go and do a safari in Africa. That didn't even have to think about that. Wow, that's <laughs> an good. easy one. Yeah, I'm really keen. And I want to go to Paris, you know, but doesn't everybody. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, that, that safari to go and see the animals in the wild. I mean, I'm a crazy cat lady, you know, to go and see, mm-hmm. I have 10, to go and see the big cats, to go and see all the beautiful animals, you know, just majestically living in the wild would be a dream. Yes. Well, I, I have done that. I went to the Kruger National Park when I was in my early twenties and I can say that it was one of the most magical experiences to, yeah, yeah to witness the animals in yeah all their glory. Uh, so it was great. And it wasn't that hot. So... <laughs> Oh, good. Okay. Maybe I'll go in wintertime when it's not as hot. <laughs> yeah. South Africa I went to. So maybe. That's yeah, where I bit... want to go because I've, I've got quite a few friends that live in South Africa. So I was like, cool, we can go here. We can go here. So I've got Cape Town and Johannesburg and mm-hmm. somewhere beginning with P. I can't remember. Um, yeah. So we could go see them, which would be fun. Yeah. Well, very good. I can't wait to see you on safari. It will happen. So the next question is, do you have any rituals or practices that enhance your overall well-being and personal growth? I read a lot. Um, I won't say I'm I'm particularly ritualised as such. Um, You know, I well, the biggest ritual in my home is to get up in the morning and feed 10 cats. That's the first thing (laughs) I do. I'm laughing about, you know, doing morning rituals. It's like, well, I know the first ritual is like feed the cats. They get fed separately, some of them. Then once they finish, I have to open the veranda door, let them out, let them back in, let them back out, let them back in, let them back out. Then they want to go on the front veranda. Yeah, that's my biggest ritual. Um, But I do love to read. I love to read, um, you know, sort of business books. Um, I love hypnotherapy and I'm actually just about to start a course um, or a program to help me rise earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think will be great because I would like to start that morning routine of, you know, just being mindful about myself. I'm very, I'm very good at the self-care thing, like if, and boundaries, 
if I don't feel up to something, I will say no. Um, so I don't know. That's not necessarily a ritual, but it's something that I've become quite good at. It's just going, yeah, you know what? I mean, I might make an excuse because, you know, I obviously don't want to offend somebody, but it's like, no, I don't fancy doing that right now and I'm not going to do it. Um, but, yeah, I've, I'm going to download. Hypnotherapy helped me tremendously in my journey back to myself. Mm-hmm. So I think it would be nice to actually now go to bed. I'm not a good sleeper, so I would like to try and bring some rituals in to have a good sleep. Um, but I think probably actually one of the most important things I discovered, I'm very visual and I find, and I've had a lot of self-doubt, a lot of self-sabotage and a lot of limiting beliefs over the years and they still come back. And I think the thing that I do to get rid of them is something that everybody can actually do. When they come in, I, I picture them coming in one side of my head and, you know, I call that's the mean girl. She comes in and she starts chattering in there. I might give her a minute, then I open the door on the other side and I'm like, off you go. And I actually shove her out the other side. So that's how I kind of clear my head of self-limiting beliefs. And that's probably actually the most ritual, well, ritualistic thing that I do. And I won't tolerate those mean thoughts staying in my head for any longer than a minute. Wow. That's fabulous. Cause I know that's such, that's probably one of the biggest things for people is just not even realizing that how much of a self-critic they are about themselves and it's just so inherent. So for you to even be aware of that and then to be able to get rid of them is, yeah, that's a, that's definitely a great skill and I would probably be better than, you know, getting up early and doing, you know, all those other things, because I think that's, Mm -hmm. that's where it is really is with that mindset that if we can be kinder to ourselves, then we're going to show up versions are more confident to be able to take those risks and do all those things yeah and it's interesting it came from a, a place like quite a dark place in my life where I had very severe sciatica like severe to the degree that um I would go to work but I wouldn't go out really hardly at all because the pain was so severe my leg would give way underneath me and I did not want that to happen in public and so I was actually you know, seeing specialists. I was at the, like at St. George Hospital in their pain management. It was that severe. And they gave me a medication called, well, I won't say what the medication was actually, probably wise, but it gave me a medication that I had some very adverse effects with. And one of those um, effects was, well, almost like paranoia and suicidal. Mm. So I would be at work and there would be two people talking in the corner. It was like, right, they're obviously plotting my demise. I was so paranoid and so anxious and I realized that I had started a new medication um, because I'm pretty analytical in my brain like why why am I feeling like this this is not how I normally feel there must be something I went ah the medication I think that's what it is so I went home I googled it's like yes you know pre-suicidal tendencies paranoia anxiety I'm like oh I'm the pitch car you know poster girl for this stuff so that's when I did the visual thing that I realized when the anxiety, paranoid depression was coming on, it was like, it was literally like that dark curtain. I would grab it and I would throw it away. I only had 10 days till I was getting to the hospital where they were going to change the medication. I'm like, I just need to get through 10 days of this. And that's when I realized that the visualizations can be so powerful because I got through those 10 days. Mm. I got to the pain management and they put me on new medication and I was fine. But 
it was a dark time and that's how I got through it. Uh, because I'd been on them too, you can't just go, I'm going to not take these this medication anymore because it really has quite adverse effects on you when you stop taking it. So anyway, and fortunately, um, the sciatica went away. I I had a bowel, I had two bowel diseases. I had to have a bowel resection, lost 50 centimetres of bowel, and I woke up with no pain from the sciatica. My bowel had been pushing down on the sciatic nerve and creating all the pain and the agony, and that's why specialists couldn't find it. MRIs couldn't find out what the problem was. Nobody knew what it was. It was just, they said to me, you're just going to have to live with this for the rest of your life. I'm like, this is awesome at 47. Mm. Um, anyway, I woke up uh, and the disease bowel was gone and I had no pain and I was I was actually quite delirious mm. because I felt so amazing after having, you know, six hours of surgery. Um, but, yeah, anyway, that's, sorry, I digressed. But that's how the visual thing came to me and I found it so incredibly useful in so many ways since then. Yeah, and I love that you did that yourself. You really knew what you needed to be able to navigate that period, whereas a lot of the time we'd be going to psychologists and to you know, counsellors and coaches and all of that. So you, you really do have really incredible self-awareness, which, you know, it's great. It's become and it's become even better and better, you know. And, that yeah, I think that was probably one of the first times where I'm like, I was very aware of what was happening because I worked in a great environment. They sure as heck were not plotting my demise over in that corner. So that's the thing. I'm like, what is going on with you? <laughs> Why are you like this? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and so you were obviously having other symptoms for the bowel, disease bowel, that you knew that that, that was something that was going on as well. Oh, yeah, that. that I had um, diverticulitis and ulcerative colitis. So, you know, diverticulitis could send me to hospital like I could be fine one morning, I could be in hospital by lunchtime. Mm. Um, so that was like a ticking time bomb. Um, and I'd had the ulcerative colitis for, you know, many years. Uh, and it was really interesting that morning when I woke up that next morning with no pain, but also all the poison had gone, seriously, I, I felt like I could run a marathon. Mm. Um, it was quite, again, quite interesting just waking up going, whoa, I feel amazing. And the physiotherapist came in and, you know, gave me exercises and this. And she said, you know, when do you think you might like to go for a walk? I'm like, I'll go right now. She's like, well, hang on, you've got like, I had drains and drips and all sorts. I'm like, no, no, I feel great. And she's like, all right. So she's coming along holding my drains and I've got my drip and we're hot footing it around the hospital. Um, so yeah, yeah, it was, it, I look back at that time, think, whoa, like I was so sick. When was this in like around the time of the divorce or later or? Um, 2017 was when I actually had my bowel resection. I'd had the sciatica um, since oh, for 18 months. Mm -hmm. um, and we knew that my bowel was diseased because I'd been in and out of hospital because when you get a diverticulitis attack, if you don't have antibiotics on call or on hand, which I eventually did, you would have to go to hospital. Um and to get like I had three hospital visits and on IV antibiotics to get it right because they were quite severe. Mm. Um, but you know, I was very lucky. I met an amazing surgeon um, who did do my eventually do my surgery, and uh, I, I kind of I suppose it's a funny story. She did a colonoscopy. God, I can't believe we're talking about this. But anyway, um, she did a colonoscopy for me to see how bad it was in there and to see if I had to have surgery. And she came to see me um, afterwards. And she's the most beautiful looking lady, as well as being absolutely beautiful inside. Um, but she was pristine. 
she'd spent all morning doing colonoscopies. <laughs> she was just beautiful and went, right, you are obviously a perfectionist. You are the lady that can, you know, take out however much of my bowel. <laughs> well, I'm so glad that you, you know, I was going to say got to the bottom of it. <laughs> really got to the bottom of it. <laughs> <laughs> and that, yeah, it um, sounds like it was, yeah, just such a relief to have it. And then it was also causing all these other you know, symptoms that then were gone as well. But you also had a massive mindset shift as a result of, you know, the pain you're going through from the sciatica and the drugs you were taking for that. And yeah, so. it's uh, It made me look at chronic pain in a very different way and people that suffer from chronic pain. I used to be a bit of like, oh, you know, you'll be right, get over it. And yeah, no, that's not actually how it works at all. Mm. It's yep. debilitating and it's soul destroying. Mm. Mm. So. It's a bit of, yeah, I, I look back and I'm so grateful now that this is, that's not my life anymore. Yeah. I think sometimes the challenges though, that we go through then do, do give us that empathy to be able to appreciate other people's suffering and what they might be going through. So Very as much, much as so. they're horrible at the time, yeah, they can bring us, I guess, you know, a wealth depth of character that we might not otherwise have had. You know what? You're so right. Like I think back to so many things, the divorce um you know dating in midlife you know when I met David um like my health issues um you know being made redundant at 52 and all of that's only made me so much more empathetic to to the things that other people go through as well um because you know I've lived the experience as well and I mean that's I guess that's where you know bring back your pink even came from was if I can help women in midlife actually navigate this time you know and the uncertainties and the you know the difficulties and their feelings etc um you know how lucky am I to be able to help so it, yeah, yeah. It, that lived experience kind of you know molds you I guess yeah it yeah it sure does and that's what I think you know us as we do get older that we do have so much more wisdom to be able to share with people in general because we mm. have had so much life experience uh, and rather than just think you know you've had your kids and you know what's what's next like you you know you pass your use by date like we mm -hmm. really do have so much to offer and to share oh, really? with with the world um from all the things that we've been through in our lives so exactly. and so much more life to live without a doubt without a doubt mm -hmm. All right. The next question is a little bit to do with wealth. And uh, mm -hmm. so I have, uh, I guess, the way I look at wealth is really from a more holistic perspective and not just talking about money as much as money yep. is so important. But I believe that uh, there's, you know, other areas of wealth. And what do you think, like what principles or advice can you offer for a balanced and fulfilled life with growing wealth, but for it not to be an overwhelming goal in life? It's interesting because a lot of people talk to me, you know, about my values and what motivates me. Now, you know, I'm lucky that I, you know, am in a, I would say a reasonably financially stable place along with my husband. It's not always been the case. You know, the times when I was a single mum paying that mortgage and I had five cents in the bank, they were not ideal times. But I think the thing is I always believe money flows to you when you need it. And it has done for me. Now, you know, there's been times where David and I, he's like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to close down my business. I'm like, oh no, you're not. I've worked too hard for this house. 
we're not losing it. So, you know, I, you know, you sometimes you have to force yourself to do the things. For me, financially and money, money is a way to do things for me. Um, money gives me, it allows me to create more impact. So for me, and when people talk about a measure of success, um, my success is impact. So, but I'm lucky, I like to make, you know, have the financial backing to be able to create the impact. So I feel like perhaps with the way I think of that, um, money does flow to me. I'm very much a believer in manifestation and manifesting abundance. And so my metric of success is the fact that I can impact other women and help them lead a life, um, you know, in full colour or to impact them, to help them grow a business that is a flamingo in a flock of seagulls. Yes. Well, that really leads into my next sort of question. Is that what impact do you hope to leave on the world, particularly in terms of enhancing worth, wealth and well-being for yourself and others? I think both businesses have their impacts. You know, for me, when my branding business, helping women build a strong brand, because that, that is literally what I do. I build brands or I help people build brands. Um, allowing them to have the confidence in themselves has been very interesting as my journey's gone along. I've now weaved a lot of mindset into my branding because I realize that if we don't have a strong mindset, it's very hard to have a strong business. You have to 100% believe in yourself and what you do. And I love nothing better than seeing my ladies you know, enter their, their art in art competitions, um, go from doing something like being a VA, which is not what they loved, to creating content, to changing the name of their business, to building this business that they're now actually, they've got waiting lists um, to see, you know, Emily actually embrace her brand and now starting to launch her products because she now knows who she is and, you know, who she needs to speak to and can actually pull it all together. So that for me, helping women stand tall and support themselves and do what they love is something that I like to think that I'm leaving an impact, you know, that I'm impacting them and cha helping change their lives. And for Bring Back Your Pink, actually, and just so, just for the listeners that don't know this, did you know that flamingos, when they are actively parenting, they're stressed out, they're anxious, they're um, not looking after themselves properly and they're not eating properly, they fade and lose their pink. And a lot of us in our 40s, 50s get faded. I was super faded. Now, I want every other woman or every woman out there to realise they don't have to live this faded life. Your life's not over when you hit 50. It's just beginning. So, you know, I want to impact. I want to make a movement of Bring Back Your Pink and I want to impact every woman that needs it to realize that they can too live life in full color. They don't have to be sitting by the fire with their slippers on and knitting. Just so you know, slippers can be dangerous. I fell up the <laughs> slippers a little while ago and I'm like, right, they're being abandoned. I'm going to go back to my phones. <laughs> slippers for me. <laughs> oh, I love that. And I love, yeah, that you are now like you have these two streams. So you have your business stream and helping entrepreneurs to really understand their brand better and present it in a way, but then bring back your pink is really for every woman. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. It is. And I, I know you, you really push it. Like, you know, it's, it's your target market is probably more the 40, 50 year old women. Yes. But I, I think that we girls, like I would love my girls to hear your stories. Uh, and so that, you know, they don't waste all those years in yes. trying to be something that 
other people want them to be. And I'm getting younger ladies on there that, you know, have absolutely reinvented themselves in their thirties. I've got one of my good friends, I've got her 10 year old daughter coming on. Um, we haven't done the interview yet, but it'll be soon because Bethy's, um, she's not long being diagnosed as autistic and she was always trying to fit into the mold of who she thought she should be. Um, and it would create big meltdowns for her. Now she knows who she is. She's, you know, she's cut her hair off. She looks, you met, but you might've met Bethy, you know, the young girl that was at my podcast launch party. Oh yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I do. yeah like yep. absolutely rocking life. Mm-hmm. This little girl has changed so dramatically. And I thought, you know what, if a little girl can change and live her best life, how good would it be for, you know, the, the us midlife generation to listen to that and go, well, if a 10 year old can do it, why can't we? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think, yeah, as women, yeah, that society just pushes us into these boxes and mm. yeah, it's a shame that you have it to, you know, get to, you know, your mid forties, your fifties before you really start to, um, yeah, spread your wings. So yeah, yeah it's a beautiful message. Very, yeah, very important. Very. So last question is if you could change one thing about the world overnight, what would it be and why? To get rid of cancer because both my parents passed with cancer. That was an easy one. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's, yeah, well, that would be incredible if, yeah, cancer could be eradicated because I know it has in- impacts so many people, so many people. So many people, so, so many people. Like I know young people, um, you know, obviously my parents, my dad was only 57 when he passed. Mum passed a few years ago when she was 80. You know, I, so many friends, parents, um, you know, but children and, you know, it's just so indiscriminate and so like there's no rhyme nor reasoning for it. And, yeah, if that was the one, the legacy I could leave the world, not that I can because I am not scientific in any way or form. However, <laughs> um, yeah, that would be the one thing I would do to change it. Yeah, well, I like to believe that the more authentic we are and living our truth and the less stress we have in our lives, which mm-hmm. then makes our bodies operate, perform, you know, at a more homeostasis or whatever they call it. And yeah, hopefully then these things are not as easy to manifest in our lives. Um, Absolutely. I, you know, I mean, I could talk about this for days, but like I look back to my parents' time, you know, in the, the you know, the 30s, the 40s, the 50s, you know, the people, that there just was not the incidences of cancer back mm. in those days. Um, you know, I guess with all the, you know, the foods and modified foods, all of those things, you know, I guess that's what has maybe brought on the chat. I don't know. I'm not a doctor, you know, mm. but I just contemplate on this often, you know, and I know my dad, particularly his, his life was quite stressful. Um, and yeah, I do honestly feel that his was stress induced. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot, uh, a lot is, I mean, yeah, it, you can't put a blanket out there, but I think that the the less stress we have in our lives, then the mm-hmm. you know healthier we are, and mm-hmm. I think it really is to do with you know our mindset yeah. and being confident and yeah living our truth. So, 100%. yeah, that's yeah beautiful. I hope that it, you know we can put all the good vibes out there for there to be a cure. It'd be nice to see, you know, before I before I leave this world, it would be lovely to know that it, what there was a cure and that people you know, could live long lives and live, you know, the destiny that they were meant to live. 
Yeah, exactly, exactly. So was there anything that we haven't really touched on that you wanted to talk about? Of course, I'll leave, you know, your details. I know the wait list is open for Flamazing at the moment. Oh, yes, yes, the wait list for Flamazing. No, not really. I think we've covered an awful lot, don't you? I think we have, and I'm excited to have learned a few new things about you. You are definitely... I know you said to me, I'm an open book. You can ask me anything. Yep. And I, I love that you are such an open book. Uh, and But there are so many layers yet to, I think, come to light with you, Jen. And I really can't wait to see, you know, where Jen, bring back your pink goes and, you know, where your your business journey goes. And I've, I think I would, I'm going to be a candidate for the Flamazing course one of these days because I, I know we've talked about you can really – always be curating your brand and 100%. Yeah. So 100%. Some of my beautiful, amazing ladies this time, you know, they're not at the beginning of their journey, but they want to bring it all together. Um, you know, and I've actually got mindset coaches in there, but they're loving the detail, um, which is great because, you know, you're not a lot of the detail you can't, you know, we can all Google stuff, but the level of detail is not there. So, you know, I teach them how to do the things and it's been, it's really nice. Like there's, I've got lawyers in there and mindset coaches and it's cool to see them loving it so much as well. So it's exciting. Yeah. yeah. So if you are an entrepreneur, then definitely check out Jen and go give her a follow and yeah, see her beautiful work, the designs, the color, all of that. And yeah, <laughs> I'm loving looking at your your background right now. You've got paintings and pictures and lampshades and yes. beautiful. Yes, I like to live life. Well, I like to live life in color. And this is this is my happy place. You know, my office. I spend a lot of time here, so I like it to be happy. It's a bit messy at the moment, but I'm going to clean it up soon. I keep saying that. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, thank you so much, Jen. I really appreciate you coming on today, and I know all my listeners are going to love hearing your story and I'm sure it's going to really inspire them to think a little bit about how they can, you know, be their true selves. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It was an honor to be here with you today. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining. It's a mindset. If you found this episode valuable, consider sharing it with friends, add it to your Instagram stories, tag me at Emma Lagalo or simply spread the word. Follow me on Instagram for updates and share your topic suggestions. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review to help us reach more listeners. Remember, anything is possible when you put your mind to it. Thanks for listening.